This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone! Welcome back uh, to Ladies Who London Podcast. You'll notice this week we have a jingle. We do. I know. And the jingle is done by my wonderful friend Ben Frost, uh, who is a composer. Um, please go and check his work out. He's got some amazing stuff. And thank you so much, Ben. We're yeah, really thank thrilled you, ben. Uh, to have. Well, I think it's a really lovely, jaunty little jingle. I do too. And please let us know what you think. Yes, please do. Unless you hate it, in which case, don't. Yes, don't tell us. Yeah, don't tell us that. But anyway, Ben Frost. I think actually he goes under Ben Morales Frost as his composing name. And oh, he's amazing. He does musicals and all sorts. It's fantastic. So um, we are super thrilled. Yes, to have... we are. I've got a bit of a jingle. I know. Almost professional. By, by a famous man. <laughs> Well, he will be famous soon. He's he will be. Yeah. Go, Ben! Go, Ben! Um, right, so welcome uh, to this week's podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank I hope you had a good week. Is it the third? This is our third, yeah, our third podcast. Wow, yeah. goodness me. I know, time flies, eh? Time flies. Time flies. It's exciting, we're loving doing it. It is. Um, and we're really loving hearing from you all, so thank you so, so much. Um, and last week we talked about... We talked about William Bly, we and we talked about his expedition heading to Tahiti to go get breadfruit yep. and deliver it to the West Indies, yes. but that didn't happen. No. No. It all went a little bit wrong. It did. The boobs took over. The boobs took over, and if you have no <laughs> idea what on earth that means, then listen to the last episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I really enjoyed that one. It was someone I didn't really know about, mm. um, which was really, really fascinating. So... We, at the end of the podcast, we did our podcast pedestal candidates, didn't we? We did, we did. And you chose... Well, I chose Fletcher Christian. Yeah. Being the chap who'd sort of instigated the whole mutiny thing and Mm -hmm. and someone who'd kind of then gone out and been really kind of, I don't know, enterprising in a really bad way. But, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It was good. But um, I chose the breadfruit. The no, 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 no. Um, because the breadfruit, you know, without the breadfruit, then none of it would have happened. I really hope this is a win for me this week. Oh, it's so going to be the breadfruit, Alex. <laughs> Just get over it. <laughs> breadfruit, guys. No. So anyway, let's uh, let's get to our... Um, yes, today. The so, results of the podcast pedestal. Oh, right, yes. Um, so we have... Uh, people have been voting all week. Um, thank you so much. We've had some great emails. Uh, of, uh, I think I've, seriously, there's somebody who keeps messaging me there, there, which I'm fine with. I think it's really hilarious. Um, but uh, yeah, and we've had loads of the um, responses on Instagram as well. We have. Are you ready to find out? I'm ready. Okay. Uh, this, it was an interesting one. I, I was expecting it to go a very different way. 
Were you? Yeah, I was actually. Were you expecting it to go my way? I was. It's gone mine. Oh my and god! I'm really happy. This is ridiculous. This it's one all. It's one all. I mean, Mel Gibson plays Fletcher Christian in a wonderful way, and you know, I would. Totally... You do realise people weren't voting for Mel Gibson? No, I know. <laughs> um, but if they were, I would totally be like, "Well done." But I'm really shocked they haven't gone for the breadfruit. Take, take the hit, babes. Take oh the hit. Oh my god! No one's hungry for breadfruit. Oh, what? <laughs> okay. So last week we spun the wheel and we ended up. We ended up over in West London, didn't we? We did. We ended up in Kensington. We did, in Mm. Kensington. Um, And it's my pick this week. Mm -hmm. So I went for, uh, you know, I love a bit of women's history. Um, And I went for Ada Lovelace, who was linked Mm. to the Science Museum down that way. Um, Who is kind of the, one of the forerunners, well, one of the the kind of mothers, if you like, of of computing. Mm. Now, I am going to preface this by saying I am totally not a scientist i'm not a mathematician i know i am very much creative i'm an artsy type so i do not understand all of the kind of little machinations and the bits and pieces that go into all of this so there i'm sure there are uh, it's a good job i'm here isn't it is it yes no i am no alan turing you are not no you are also an artist literally an artist um so i'm sure there's going to be people out there who will know all the ins and outs of this and it'll be really you know in depth what you'll know i'm not going to go there i'm going to go for the story we're gonna yes i mean we started this with the idea of light history light history you know we'll continue that theme so let's talk about logistics and analytics yes (laughs) we're not going to do that we're not going to do that so we are going to talk about um ada lovelace and she was not actually born ada lovelace she was born augusta ada byron Mm. um she later became the countess of lovelace and we ended up knowing her as ada lovelace and i'll come to that later but in order to understand ada we have to kind of reverse one gen- well, sort of actually two generations a little bit to kind of understand a bit behind who she is as a person. Um, her mother uh, was called Anne Isabella Milbank. Uh, it was known by, by her entire family as Annabella. And she was from a really loving marriage. Her parents met, they married for love. Uh, she was very well educated and, uh, you know, very kind of the sort of woman that you'd hope to have in your life as a nice, sort of nice. strong character. The father, however, is slightly different. Mm. And her father is a chap called George Gordon Byron, a.k.a. Lord Byron. Oh, man, bad and dangerous to know. Exactly. And I think if you know Lord Byron or know of him, that's the phrase that everybody knows. Absolutely. We're going to come to where that comes from. But his parents, um, very different pairing. His father, and I kind of love this, was called Captain Mad Jack. Mad Jack. Mad Jack Byron. And um, his mother was an heiress and basically Mad Jack got married to her and frittered away her entire fortune. Wow. So, yeah, not great. And then he died really young at like 35. So, um, not a great setup for Byron. And Byron was like volatile and really hot-headed and had a huge, really, really quick temper. Didn't he drink from a human skull? Yes, I believe he did. Mm. And I mean, he was such a kind of... He was a player, basically. He was yeah. a libertine... Uh, and he got up to all sorts of crazy stuff. I mean, he was hugely, hugely famous. He published mm-hmm. this epic poem and became famous from that. And then, uh, you know, all of London knew about him. And he was all over London, let me mm. tell you. And I mean all over London. He was bed hopping. Oh, all over the win. ladies All over London. the ladies of London. Oh, oh yeah. He was leaving a, a string of broken hearts oh. and uh, children in his wake. I mean, kind of crazy. Um, and so you would not really expect that Byron and Annabella would be a good match, would you? No. No, you kind of think she would turn up and be like, ugh, this, you know, libertine, this 
you know. Chat. But and maybe actually, she she wanted a bad boy, did she? Well, now, so when she first met him, she was very dismissive, and she was like, you know, literally every woman in London is trying to get into his pants. Mm. And she's trying to get as far away from his pants as she possibly can. But she can't. This is it. She kind of um, comes around to this idea that she's a good girl and she can save this bad boy. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. A little Florence Nightingale. <laughs> I know, coming and sort of riding in and saving his Don't soul. Don't worry, Byron. I've got this. I'll <laughs> save you, darling. Um, which obviously is not going to happen. Um, what's really funny is they met at this party which was held by a lady called Lady Caroline Lamb. Now, she's Annabella's cousin but she's also the woman who tarnishes Byron with, the, or rather, maybe not even tarnishes, but sort of bigs him up with this mad, bad and dangerous to Oh, know. so what did he do to Caroline? What didn't he do to Caroline? Oh! <laughs> they had uh, a bit of a, an affair. Okay. Um, and she was essentially kind of obsessed with him. And this was, it was quite scandalous. And she kind of made a fool of herself because she was properly, you know, obsessed with Byron, hanging all over him, all that kind of thing. And it was her mother who got a bit sick of this and went, I kind of can't really handle you fawning over him and, and obsessing mm-hmm. and, and making a bit of a scandal of everything. Mm-hmm. So she put Byron and Annabella together. So oh. she kind of encouraged Byron to propose. Right. Which you sort of think this chap who is having a whale of a time all over London isn't probably the type to settle down. No, why would he want to get married? Well, exactly. It's, a, you know, we, we're talking about a period when... That's sort of what you do. But then again, these kind of libertines are... It's quite a, you know, exciting thing to be. Anyway. Yeah, but maybe he didn't want to be listed as that. Maybe he kind of wanted to be that kind of man, but he thought, well, if I marry somebody, then on the outside of things, it seems like I'm not that bad and people will stop maybe. talking about me. I think he was fine with it, to be oh, honest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I am mad. I am was, bad. I mean, he was sort of pressured into it, really. And he did propose to her. And what was really funny is the bookies, literally, you know, society were saying that, oh, it's never going to happen. They're never going to get to the altar. And bookies were literally taking bets wow. on whether or not it would happen. And it did happen. Uh, in 1815, January of 1815, he turned up to the wedding several days late. Oh my God. <laughs> I know, but he turned up. He did turn up. And actually, what's really funny is there's a friend of um, his who had this brilliant phrase. He said, uh, never was a lover in less haste. <gasps> so yeah, he's clearly not that into the idea. No, I mean, if he's seven days late, for heaven's sake. Seven days late. But at the same time, he's also having an affair with his half-sister. Oh, just, you know, yeah, pop casual. that in there. Yeah, Half absolutely. Um, and he had a daughter with her. And rather than hiding it from Annabella, he just kind of flaunts it. He just he <gasps> brings her around. Like, he, he's not making a secret of it at all. Wow. But then you've got to kind of question Annabella in her mind. You know, if she's okay with that. Oh, many a woman has been lost to oh, the bad guy, yes, though. maybe so. <laughs> just put that so, little bit of information at the back of my head. Yeah, I think there's... Uh, I think there's a thing. I mean, well, the whole thing clearly is not going to work, right? No. And it doesn't, it, it's over within a year. So she gets pregnant and uh, the result of this marriage, this really terrible, ill-fated marriage, is Ada. Ada. Who is born in December of the same year that they get married. Mm. Okay. Now, to, to give you an idea of how quick this whole thing is, so they get married in January. Ada's born in December. Um, just a couple of weeks after she is born... Byron says that he's been having um, an affair with a chorus girl and kicks Annabella out. So literally, one year, woe to go, married, kid, done. Wow. So yeah, not a great choice. No. Anyway, so what um, Annabella does, so remember that she's this really educated woman who obviously has, has had this moment of insanity and weakness by marrying Byron. She takes Ada off to her parents and Ada never sees her father again. Which is quite interesting because obviously her mother is 
very, very protective of her. Now, her mm. father dies when she's eight years old. Ada's, so Byron dies when Ada's eight. Okay. Um, but since she was a, a sort of a month old, she hasn't seen her father at all. And Annabella is really, really worried that this sort of level of kind of crazy hot-headedness, this rebellious streak, this this, you know, need to kind of not focus on anything and just have whatever you want, the pleasures of, of anything, is going to pull over into her daughter. Oh, wow. right. So yeah. worries that she's inherited all of those bad things. Absolutely. Father. Yeah. And, she, and, and she's not actually 100% wrong in that. So what happens is that Annabella, in order to kind of really focus Ada's mind and to keep her um, on the right path, let's say, mm-hmm. she puts her in education. Um, and, and I'm talking serious education. She has, I mean, this is a period of time when it's really, really hard for women to get education. Um, it's not something that uh, is is that common, really. Mm-hmm. And Annabella sets out to have her the best tutors, like properly, goes to the top, gets the, the top people in all their fields and they come to tutor. Amy. Go mum. Go mum. Absolutely. I kind of love Annabella for this. She's such a sort of strong woman. And I think she had such a... a terrible time with Byron that I kind of love that she's like right this is it I'm gonna put all my energy all my focus yeah. into my daughter and she's gonna make it and yeah. it's, it's incredible so what one thing that she also does she doesn't let Ada ever see a portrait of her father until she's 20 oh really yeah which but wouldn't that I don't know you'd con- you'd think you'd want to know more you would want to you know, you'd want to find out what they look like even more if you've got no image at all in your mind. Yeah, that's true. But one of the things is that when um, they divorced and when people were divorced in that period of time, it was really, really hard for women to sort of survive that or recover that from that. And I don't mean in a physical sense. I mean in a reputation, society, that kind of thing. And if she had... In fact, she was told not to talk about Byron because it was said that, you know, if she talked about him, it would be seen as something that could then be used against her for custody of Ada. Um, and so she basically had to kind of keep her mouth shut about Byron. Mm. Um, so she probably didn't talk to Ada. And she, you know, given that she really doesn't want her to go down this route, I can't imagine she spoke about him that much. So do you think Ada was unaware of the reputation that her father had? No, she was definitely aware of it. And later on, she did read his poems. Um, and she, what was really, Annabella was really happy about is that the, the poetry didn't really seem to bother um, or, or not really bother, but kind of interest her that much. So she did say at one point, she said, I'll be a much better analyst than my father is a poet, which I think is <gasps> wow. quite fantastic. <laughs> um, so yeah, she, she does read this, but there's an element of that's a separate section of, of you and of your life. Mm-hmm. And I think in later years, Ada did become a bit more interested in it. And what's really interesting is that when she died, she was asked to be buried next to her father, who she'd never really met. God, was her mother... Well, her mother wouldn't have known, would she? Yes, her mother was still alive when she oh, died. Oh, her mother was still alive when she died. Yeah. So, wow, that's yeah. a bit of a... All that time her mother spent on, you know, making sure that they were completely separate. And in death, yeah. she wanted to be by his side. Yes. Oh, God. I know. I mean, I suppose if you, you know, you've got this famous father who is such a... And of course, after his death, because he died very young, he mm. died at, uh, I think, 37 years of age, which is ironically exactly the same age that Ada died at. Really? Yeah, because oh, there's, wow. there's so many kind of weird, like, pull-throughs in all of this. And um, I, I think, you know, if your father is that famous, he died when she was eight, so there's the best part of, what, 25 years of uh, sort of famousness and this reputation and of course mm. that that thing of somebody dying young dying before their time mm-hmm. would have made him a really really big name so there's probably a lot of curiosity there definitely i wonder if she visited his grave 
after he died. I you don't know, know. When she was, you know, in her 30s or something. Yeah, highly likely. She might well have done. Um, but what, what is really interesting is that later in life, so Ada does, you know, she's very, very studious. She's incredibly intelligent. Um, and with all this amazing tutoring, people are sort of being quite wowed that a woman, a woman, a has, woman. <laughs> has brains. Heaven forbid. Um, but later in life, she does say to a friend that she finds that um, her studies, that by studying things in a really kind of close and intense way, stops her mind from sort of running around, running wild and zipping all over the place. Okay. So there's clearly some kind of thing in that. And she also... Um, identified with him a bit more as she grew older she said that she actually wrote down that she hated um any kind of restraint so this sort of thing of being controlled or whatever and so there's clearly his blood flowing through her veins there's Mm -hmm. clearly some of this real kind of you know bad lad needs to kind of go out there and explore and discover and 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 do whatever and possibly rebel against the system maybe yeah exactly and one thing that does happen with ada which is sort of covered up people don't really know about it at the time is that she had an affair with one of her tutors when she's fairly young really and she tried to elope with him <gasps> how young are we talking i think she, oh now she was a teenager when she tried to elope mm-hmm. and what happened it, it, it was completely thwarted because the guy that she eloped with his family recognized her because she was you know she had this status by literally by the age of 12 she's already starting to um draw plans for machines and things like that so she's very well known and her, his family recognise her. They tell her mother and her mother stops it, but also manages to cover the whole thing up. Okay. And this will come back later when she okay. eventually gets married. So um, one thing that's worth knowing is that obviously she and her mother were very close. And she would, sort of back in, the, in this period of time, um, we're talking the Victorian period here, um, or very early Victorian period really, that children were not really brought up quite so much by their parents they were they were to a certain degree but a lot of it was nannies Mm -hmm. um it was tutors that kind of thing so she has nannies she has tutors in her life and her mother is very present as well so it's not not the kind of classic thing that her mother is doesn't really see her her mother does um and a lot of these tutors and nannies and nurses find that she's really kind of boisterous she's really um quite a lot to handle Mm. and a lot of them can't handle her a lot of them really find her just a bit too much so she's obviously got quite a lot of energy spirit um, fire yeah and is really not what you'd class or what people would like to think of back then as a kind of typical woman Mm -hmm. you know she's not sort of quiet and demure she's got spirit she's got energy and she's going to do something with it which i think is fantastic definitely it's interesting isn't it because obviously she didn't have a father figure yeah. when she was growing up yeah yet she's got that kind of as you say that boisterous that almost kind of masculine drive yeah. or at least victorian masculine yeah and i you know i don't whether that's a sort of genetic thing coming from her father she did have some male um uh, sort of father figures in a way because a lot of her tutors were male Ah, right, so there was that and she was being tutored for, for a pretty young age actually um, but one thing that is interesting about her she was very sickly as well mm-hmm. she had loads of headaches which used to sometimes affect her vision probably kind of some kind of migraine mm-hmm. um, she also caught measles when she was 13 and was bedridden for a year and couldn't walk for two um, and so all of this you know is it's almost unfair that this often happens you know people who've got a, a amazing brain and with some sort of limb, physical limitations that it makes them just work harder mm. and better. And that's sort of what Ada did. Um, her mother literally just went out and got the best tutors. She was like, I'm not, you know, I'm not messing around here. And one of these was a chap called Augustus de Morgan. And he was a leading mathematician like at the top of his field. 
Um, and he saw in her some serious, serious ability. Um, and he did say that if she'd have been a man, she would have been considered a first-rate mathematician. <gasps> wow. A woman doing math, heaven forfend. Ridiculous. So I'm, kind of, I'm kind of loving that he said that. But he also said that he, he was quite worried about her health. And he did say... Uh, the amount of effort it took to study maths was beyond the strength of a woman's physical power of application. That is mad, isn't it? Dude! So <laughs> Come I on! Her mother putting her into education, yeah. Did was it in in terms of, you know, was she educated in science? Was she educated in, in things that you wouldn't necessarily have a female being educated in? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of it, I mean, she was clearly had an aptitude for maths and science, so that's where a lot of the education went. But she also spoke fluent French. Mm. So there was a lot of, you know, it, women at this time would be educated in needlework and singing and, you know, all the kind of female pursuits. Mm-hmm. And she was not, she was being educated like a man, which is really exciting. She did have a female tutor, a lady called Mary Somerville, who was an astronomer and mathematician. Um, and she was wildly successful, but also painfully modest in her mm. work. So she would often kind of say, oh, well, you know, the groundwork's been done for me and, and I've just sort of done this little bit on top. And you're like, oh, come on, Somerville. Come on, woman. Um, but it is Somerville who introduces her in 1833 to a chap called Charles Babbage. Ah. You know this name, right? Father of computer. Absolutely. And father and the mother here of, of computing with Ada. Um, now, it, it, there's a quite a big age disparity. Ada's 17, he's 42. But this becomes a huge and life-changing friendship. Mm-hmm. They are thick as thieves. They work together for the rest of her life. Um, and it is through Charles Babbage that she is able to sort of fulfil some of these potent- this potential that she has, which is really, really fantastic. And it just goes to show the circles that she was in as well. I mean, if yeah. she gets introduced to Charles Babbage, you know, yes. who obviously we know him quite well now, but even during his lifetime, he was incredibly famous, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When he was creating his computer system or what it was back then, yep. because looking at the machines they'd Babbage be quite is the different. dude man. he is the dude <laughs> he's he the, is dude. the dude so wow. he is what's really interesting he's not just a mathematician he is um, an inventor and he's a math, math um, no he's not he's a mechanical engineer mm-hmm. um, and one thing that's been quite evident with Ada is that she's loved engines machines mm. when her mother at one point her mother had had to go away for treatment when she was ill um, and Ada missed her so much that she just sort of poured herself in she's about 10 poured herself into um, creating a design for a flying machine. Oh, I think I've read this. you read this? Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a steam-powered. A, a and... horses involved? Oh, I don't know. That's not the one that I was looking at, but oh. maybe. Chances are. And she was sort of looking at birds and, you know, weight distribution and wing size and and it was a steam-powered one, this one that she'd, she'd mm. planned. And it just, you know, she's 10, 12 by the time she publishes this. I mean, it's wow. incredible. She is so precocious. And just, just amazing. Yeah. Now, um, when she meets Charles Babbage, uh, one of the things he is doing is working on a machine, and it's called uh, the dif- a difference engine. Mm-hmm. And this is essentially a very a precursor to computing. Mm-hmm. Really, it's meant to be able to perform mathematical calculations. Um, and Ada was able to study this machine and was really, really fascinated by it. And what Charles has done is created something completely new so he was actually being funded by the government to do this and up until this point what you had is i mean it's really rudimentary basically massive tables of numbers that you would refer to if you're doing these sort of complex mathematical uh, equations and there's it's riddled with errors there's problems all over it and charles has said well listen i'm going to sort this out and so mm-hmm. he sets this machine up and so the government fund him but he doesn't finish it 
So the government, when he go, he moves on to another one, which is actually a lot better. But because he hasn't finished the first one, the government's like, well, we're not funding a second Sorry, one. Sorry, Babbage. Sorry, dude. You, you know, fritter our money away. We're not doing it again. Um, and he starts work on this other thing, which is called the analytical machine. Right. Or the analytical engine, sometimes. Um, and he doesn't finish the, the difference engine, but that's fine. It's a huge leap forward, and it can handle much, much more complex calculations than the difference engine. Now... This is what Ada's involved in as well. She is helping him with this. She's looking at this and she really understands this machine. Mm. There are, some people do say that she possibly understood it in greater depth than he did. He designs it, he creates it, but she gets it. Like it's innate with her. And they're amazing to look at, aren't they? Yeah. I think maybe on our, on our Instagram, we'll put a couple yeah, of pictures up of these machines up. because they're very yeah. complex and huge. You yeah. know, you think of a computer today being, you know, like 20 by 20 yeah. centimetres, but these are like 45 yeah. foot times 15, like it's, gigantic. It's absolutely mad. It's, yeah. And if you think there's much more power in your phone, in your hand than there is in one of these engines. Mm. Um, but it, this is where it all comes from. This is where computing starts. Um, there is, we're going to come back to the computing because I just, at this point, two years after she meets Babbage, she gets married. So I want to kind of uh, come to this marriage. Um, but she meets a chap called William King, who is a baron, you know, as you do. She's, mm. like you say, moving in high circles. Yeah. Uh, he's 10 years older than her. He's a very well-established man. And it does seem that unlike her parents, she marries for love. They really, really get on. Now, do you remember that little scandal I told you about her eloping? Yes. Well, her mother, when she goes to marry William King, says, look, this is a great match. I think this will be fantastic, but you have to come clean. You have to tell him about this hushed up scandal. Oh, she's good, isn't she? She is good. Fantastic mum. But yeah, I mean, I think for the time, and what's really, really good is that because it was a love marriage, when Ada tells him, he is totally cool with it. He's just like, yeah, that's fine. It's not a problem at all. Which means that Ada, they get married. It's a love match. Ada is, you know, devoted to him, but also says her mother. Her mother's like, this, Mm. this guy's cool. Yeah. You know, We've told him, we've aired our dirty laundry. It's open, it's honest. And I think because she and Byron had so much dirty laundry that was mm. aired to the public, mm-hmm. I can kind of understand why she was insistent on saying, look, you need to become clean about this before it's found out later. And you know, Definitely, because it would crush her, especially yeah. because people knew her and knew what she was doing. It would destroy her career if yeah. it came out in the press. Yeah, absolutely. As opposed to her telling her, telling her husband. Yeah. And it, as you say, being all out and in the open. Exactly. So amazingly, that's what happens. And, and he is so supportive of her career. He supports everything she's doing. They go on to have three kids. Um, he's then made uh, the Earl of Lovelace, which is where we get the Lovelace from. The Earl of the Lovelace. Earl of Lovelace. I mean, Fantastic. there's not much of a better one than that, is there? Um, <laughs> the Earl of Lovelace. Wow. I know. So she, that's where she becomes Ada Lovelace. And she okay. signed all of her letters, A-A-L, because remember, she was Augusta Ada. It's so. such a beautiful name. It really it? is. Yeah. Actually, I have a friend who named his daughter Ada after Ada Lovelace. Because oh, really? He's in he's in computing and oh, yeah, nice. so, which I think oh, is lovely. I like that, yeah. Um, so yeah. Now, um, going back to the uh, analytical engine and all this kind of thing. So this engine is is being created. It's causing a stir. You know, mm-hmm. there's a, a, a it's it's a massive development. And what Babbage does is he goes off and does quite a few talking engagements, speaking about. Um, the engine, what it does, what its capabilities are. And in one occasion, 1842, he gives a lecture um, at the University of Turin. And there's a chap in the audience called Luigi Mea... Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Try that again. Called Luigi Menabrea. <laughs> that would do. So terrible. Uh, so 
Luigi Menorea and Luigi basically notes down everything that Babbage is saying. Um, this paper that he's written from this lecture is then given to the university in Geneva and it's published in their library in French. One of Babbage's friends comes to Ada and says, you speak French fluently, mm-hmm. which, you know, yeah. amazing. And he says, could you translate this into English? And Ada's, yeah, she's, she's down with this. And so what she does is because she knows this engine so, so well, as she's writing the translation, she's correcting... Sorry, my tummy's rumbling. <laughs> she's correcting um, any of the problems. So as there's errors, as there's inconsistency, she corrects it. And she gives it to Babbage and he's absolutely thrilled. And he says, look... Could you expand on it? Because you know this machine, like the back of your hand. Um, Can you fill in all the gaps? Can you do this? And she agrees. Mm -hmm. And she writes this paper and she actually triples the length of the paper. And this is where we think that she really gets the machine even more than Babbage because the level of detail she goes into, the level of understanding that she has Mm. is just phenomenal. And this paper um, is going to be really, really key. She starts writing down like the mechanisms and the logic behind this, behind computing, or what we will later know as computing, in really, really clear terms. You know, what we've got to think, computing is now so standard to us that even, even you and I, as, Would you as believe? arty-farty types, know some computing yeah. language. But of course, when Ada and Charles are doing this, there is none nobody, of this. Nobody understands. No, and they're making, so they're making, well, they're not making it up, well, they are, but they're, they're creating mm. the this information they're creating this these mechanisms this groundwork mm. for everything that we now know today for computing now um on top of all this because as we've heard she is just a voracious learner she is so intelligent she keeps learning she keeps having tutors and there's one tutor that she really really wants to get which is michael faraday a very famous name and she writes to him and says look hey she actually the letter she writes is quite funny um and she writes to him, because he, he referred to himself at some point as a tortoise, and she's kind of, she picks up on that and pulls that into the letter. It's quite entertaining. Uh, and she says, you know, look, I'd really, really love you to tutor me. And Babbage writes a supporting letter saying, come on, you know, she's God, I mean, amazing. you know, Charles Babbage and Michael Faraday, you can't get any better, really. Well, you can't, and you also can't get Michael Faraday, because he says no. Oh, does he say no? Oh, far <laughs> electricity. No. Come on, Faraday. Um, which I think is actually really funny, because when this Menabrea paper is published... Um, Faraday writes to Babbage and says that went completely over my head mate so (laughs) she is even more knowledgeable about this stuff than than Faraday he can't even Mm. kind of get a handle on it so anyway that doesn't happen Um, and all of this amazing work and amazing uh, sort of development into computing is cut short by her death now we I mentioned earlier that she died at the same age as her father uh, which is 36 years of age so she'd been sickly you said 37 before did I say 37 before I said 37 before I got that wrong. It's 36. <laughs> Always be factual. Um, so, thank you. <laughs> no worries. As a child, we mentioned that she was um, a little bit sickly. She'd had a variety of um, diseases. She'd also contracted cholera while she was married uh, to William King, uh, which really kind of weakened her. She, she survived, amazingly, but, you know, that gave her all sort of lung problems and digestive problems and all sorts of things and then she was put on medication and it made her hallucinate and all that kind of stuff so you know she's got all this kind of going on and and there are theories that she'd she potentially had some kind of uh, mental health issues which probably stemmed from her father because that's realistically what he had Mm. and you know so there's all this stuff going on at the same time um and towards the end of her life she develops uterine cancer 
and her body was already pretty frail and she just can't fight it um her mum and her husband uh, take care of her as you know as best they can but she dies at 36 years of age in uh, 1852 wow. the same age as her father mm. even if i got his age wrong earlier 36 um now this is where she decides to be buried next to her father as we mentioned her mother isn't buried up next to her. She's buried in Kensal Green in London. Oh, right. Whereas Ada is buried with her father in uh, Nottingham somewhere. And what about Ada's husband? Do you know, that's a good question. I didn't look into him. I don't know where he was buried. I might just do some research on that. Hmm. Interesting. Because yeah, you'd be think that know. he'd want to be buried by Ada's side. But, yeah, he would. But I guess if she died at the age of 36, maybe he married again. Yeah, do you know, I didn't even think to look into his story. I'm not that bothered about him. <laughs> As a Victorian man, I like him because he is supportive (laughs) and yes, so let's let's not, uh, that's a story for another day. Yes. Fact checking edit, Ada's husband did indeed marry again and they had, he had one more son with the lady he married called Jane Jenkins. As to where he's buried, cannot find any information upon that at all. This is where we, we kind of get to the end. Now, the, what's really interesting is that this amazing analytical engine that Charles Babbage creates is fantastic and really, you know, is a massive step forward, but it doesn't really lead to anything else. It doesn't kind of get developed upon. It sort of exists in its own right and then other stuff happens tangentially from that. So it's not that that particular machine develops into a computer the way we know it today. Mm. So it's sort of a bit of a dead end in terms of development. But the, re- the reason that her work becomes mainstream or, or, you know, really, really instrumental is during World War Two. Now, during World War Two, uh, up at Bletchley Park, just outside London, which I highly recommend as a oh, day trip. such a it's cool place. so good. Um, we have Alan Turing, mm-hmm. who most people know as a man that is heavily involved in the development of computers and computing. Uh, he is up there with the code crackers. They are trying to decipher these German communications that are coming in on the Enigma machine. And... He is trying to figure out, or trying to broaden his knowledge about computers and how they work and whether they think for themselves and what sort of um, mechanisms go on within that to, to create all of these sort of solutions. And he gets a copy of the Menabrea translation that she's done, this extended uh, version that um, the Ada translated and then extended upon. And these documents really help him by influencing his critical thinking on computing. And he's very vocal about the fact that this is a major, major uh, part of his research. Um, And this is where Ada Lovelace's research and all of her work comes back into play. Um, Wow, that's incredible. Just a hundred years later. Yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing, really. Yeah. So that is where she then sort of becomes this massive impact on the development of computing. There we go. That is the story of Ada Lovelace. That is such a good story. Is it great? And in London, is there anywhere... You can go to find information on her. Is there a memorial to her in London? There, there is. There is at the Science Museum is probably the best place. They mm-hmm. have, oh gosh, a couple of years ago, opened a mathematics gallery, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. Actually, they've had some incredible um, sort of installation work, artwork that's been done there. Uh, but it is dedicated to Ada Lovelace, and mm-hmm. there's a lot there about her and about the machines that she was developing and, and her impact on computing. Because, you know, while Charles Babbage is doing the sort of the physical bits, you can argue that she is as important, if not more so, 
in the development of it, but has, again, like so many women in history, been overlooked just due to the fact that she's a woman. Mm. And obviously at the time was offered fewer opportunities and, and that kind of thing. So she wouldn't have um, had the opportunities that Babbage would have done to be able to create and all that sort of thing. So, mm. yeah. I wonder how much press was on Ada Lovelace at the time when Alan Turing was using her notes. Because, Almost you know, certainly it's... quite a bit. Oh, good. Okay, yeah. good. Um, because I think, you know, that was such a uh, a big deal mm-hmm. that, yeah, she that's also when her name kind of came to prominence again, really. There is also a blue plaque to her uh, at St. James's Square mm-hmm. in London. Um, and it she's listed as Ada Countess of Lovelace oh, at that okay. point. And she, it does say on it that she's a pioneer of commu- computing, mm. which is rather lovely. Lovely, Alex. Thank you so much for that. My pleasure. My pleasure. We didn't, it wasn't quite as humorous as some. I think you, you were sort of, no, you were just sitting there was, gazing there, at me. There, there, there were no boobs. <laughs> there were no boobs. There were no boobs for days. No. Um, but no, that was really, really interesting. What an amazing life. I know. And to only, you know, uh, live up until the age of 36. Yeah, it's, it's often the case that these people are, are sort of achieve so much so young mm. that when they die young, and like her father as well, everybody knows the name Lord Byron mm. and he was only around for 36 years. Which is crazy. It's so interesting because I wonder if, you know, she did know her father and she was connected to him from a young age. Would she have dived in so severely towards education like she did? It's interesting to know. I mean, I suspect from everything I've read about her that she, you know, it was that drive and that intellect that probably, yes, maybe in a very mm. different way. Maybe it would have taken longer. I don't know. But I, I kind of feel like the amount of sort of unusual gumption that she had for the time Mm. I don't think you'd ever put a lid on that no it's just so lucky that she had a support network behind her that in terms of her mother and her family incredible mother yeah and then colleagues and husband Mm -hmm. to be able to sort of because realistically in that Victorian period that's what women needed they needed a support network yes in order to be able to be independent and do those things they needed to be lifted didn't they wow it's amazing there we go there we go lovely Alex thank you my pleasure another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So at the end of that, we have to pick our um, candidates well, we for the podcast God, pedestal. Pick. Do you want Who? to, you choose first because I usually choose. I'm, I'm, te- oh, okay. I've got a couple in my head that I want to go for. I, actually, do you know what? No, I haven't. I, I'm going to go for her mum. It has to be her mum. Mm. Because without her mum she would not have been... Yeah, the, the opportunities that her mum fought for and gave her, I think, you know, like you, we said just a second ago, that she probably would have got somewhere mm-hmm. with the amount of intellect and um, sort of passion that she had. But the fact that her mum allowed her to do it from such a young age, it was so formative, I think. Mm. So for me, and the fact that her mum was there throughout her whole life, she supported her, she was so instrumental in supporting her with this potential scandal that happened as well mm-hmm. uh, and was supported her all the way through to her death I think I think for me it, it can't be anything other than her mother it's a good choice it is a good choice I did think about choosing that myself actually but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course you I, <laughs> um, 
Um, but I think Charles Babbage, because that moment when she first met him and saw his capabilities and the machine that he had created, yeah. I think to see that physical thing in front of her, I think that sparked and evoked something yeah. within her to try it herself and uh, and work on it. And yeah, so I, th- I think Charles Babbage, that moment where she met Charles Babbage for the yeah. first time, okay. I think that that directed her in the pathway that she... I, mean, I sort of want a third into. option because I kind of want to put the Menabrea translation in there as well, but oh, we can't do that because oh, that that's quite one. instrumental, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. it? But I know I'm going to stick with her mother because I think okay, for, so for me, got... it's, uh, yeah, it's Annabella. Okay, so two people on two the podcast. Two people on the podcast, yeah. Pedestal. No objects this week. No objects. Uh, so it is Annabella, the mother, Annabella Byron, the mother of Ada Lovelace, or... And Charles Babbage, Babbage. the father of computers yeah. who aided her, I think, in her... Latty is. I think it's going to be quite a close run thing. Yeah, this week. maybe so. Might be. So we're going to do the normal things. Charles <laughs> <laughs> Babbage. <laughs> Subliminal messaging. <laughs> uh, so we are going to put our uh, the polls on Instagram as well. Yes. Annabella. Uh, Charles. <laughs> um, and then you can please vote there. By all means, we'll put one up. Um, on the Wednesday when this goes live and then another one towards the end of the week if you haven't had a chance to vote but you can also email in your um, vote as well you can and the email is Emily ladieswhoLondon at gmail.com she got it right yay Babbage yay Um, or you can do it on Instagram we are at ladieswhoLondon podcast um now, before we decide what our topic is going to be for next week, we just wanted to let you know what we are up to uh, in our sort of guiding live. So, yes, I've got a couple of virtual tours coming up. On the 19th of November, I have a Discover Rotherhive virtual tour Ooh. where we go all around Rotherhive and learn all about it. Um, and then on the 26th of November, I've got a virtual tour, which is a pub crawl along the Thames Path. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then on the 2nd of November, I have a street arts hall, um, which is based all around Brick Lane, and that's going to be incredibly colourful. Love it. So if you would like to book on those, all you need to do is go to guideemily.com, head to the virtual tour page, and you can book from there. And in terms of my tours, I've got some in-person tours coming up this Sunday. Uh, so if you want to do street art in person this uh, on Sunday morning uh, at... 10.30, we have a street art tour around the East End, um, which I love because it just changes all the time. It's mm. fantastic. And in the afternoon, uh, I have a tour, a Harlots tour, Harlots and Boards, which is the story <laughs> of, I know. That's me, of, yeah. <laughs> whipping your tour. <laughs> whipping my tour. Um, so it's the it's the look at the 18th century Georgian sex trade in, around, in and around Covent Garden and Soho. It's really fun. I've done it a few times already. I'm kind of obsessed with it. Mm. Um, it's brilliant. But if you don't want to do that, I've got some virtual tours as well. Partway through um, my virtual tour series, but it's not too late if you want to join that because there's a, se- uh, a secret, a private Facebook group <laughs> where you can watch everything for a month afterwards, so you can check that out. And the next live virtual tour is next Tuesday, which is street art. So those are your options. Lovely. There you go. Right, it is time, da, da, Emily, da. my darling friend. It's time to get the wheel, isn't it? It is time to get the wheel. Right. Okay, so we have the wheel <laughs> in front of us right now. Um, what are you hoping to come up? Um, I, I'd quite like maybe uh, I'd like to kind of talk about gardens. I think gardens. maybe yeah, maybe go to a park, talk about a botanist. Okay. Yeah. 
That's very specific. <laughs> no, it is, isn't it? I mean, that, that probably won't come up for weeks now, will it? <laughs> probably not, but that's I kind of feeling that vibe. Oh, okay, yeah. fair enough. All right, well, let's let's see what what's going to happen. So, grab the wheel. Okay. You ready? Yeah, ready. Go. Yeah. Oh. Oh, it's oh. You don't need to do my virtual You don't even need to leave home. No. Okay, so it's landed on Rotherhive. Yep. Wow. Okay, so... Do you know this area like the back of your hand? I know this area quite well. Because you live here. Oh, what to talk about? Well, there's so many options, Mm. um, which you can learn all about on her virtual door. Yes. (laughs) Actually, no, I I think I'm going to talk about... Okay, so in Rotherhive, there is a group of statues which show... Oh, I know where you're going you know with this. Go? Yeah. yeah, the Salter family. Yes. And this actually... Oh, this is good because this can link to a park. It can. Yay! I can talk about a beautiful garden as well. So I'm going to talk about the Salter family and why they were so important to the area of Rotherhive. Um, and do you know what? It's linking to this week's podcast because we've got another Ada. Ada's Oh, we do. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Ada's for Ada. days. Ada's for days. There we go. <laughs> I knew we'd get one in. Um, so, yes. Rather hive the sort of family. Fantastic. They're really, really interesting. Mm. And I love the, the, the sculpture. We'll have to go and uh, take some pickies. For, yes, definitely. For, to put on Instagram to show everybody. Um, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited about that. Good. I know a bit about them. Um, so, I'm thrilled that you've picked that because I think they are fascinating. Yeah, they are. Fantastic. Well, listen. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us, yeah. guys. And we will see you next week uh, for Ladies in London podcast on Motherhive. Motherhive, the sort of family. Fantastic. Uh, we're going to leave you with our little outro now. Oh, so a massive so thanks exciting. to Ben Morales Frost. Thanks, Ben. We love your music. We love um, it. And uh, please don't forget to like, subscribe, review us, but only if it's five stars. If it's anything less, we don't want to know. Don't want to know. And also remember to choose Charles Babbage. Or Annabella if you think she is much better, which she is. And, you know, do drop us an email if you are in, you know, bored and want something to do. Yes. We just, have our you email. know, just please chat to us. Yeah, give us a we'll shout. Chat back. Yeah, we're bored. We've got nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you next week, everybody. Have a great one. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.